0: Welcome to Innovation Bites, the podcast where we take a snapshot of the tastiest and most exciting parts of the Australian innovation ecosystem. My name is Gavin Heaton, and Innovation Bites is brought to you by Disruptors Co., recorded at the Quantum Terminal on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Anne Marie Elias from the TechFugees group. We're also going to be speaking with Jared Ward to talk about commercialization. But first, in Headlines This Week, Australia's peak privacy body, the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner, was hit by a cyber attack and data has been stolen by Russian criminal ransomware hackers. The Office has yet to release a statement on the response to the breach, but we'll put information and links into the show notes. Plenty of commentary was generated by the four-week-old Mistral AI announcing a jaw-dropping $113 million seed round. Co-founded by a team with experience working on Google's DeepMind and also in Meta, their focus will be on creating a ChatGPT alternative with a view to launching in 2024. Again, links in the show notes. CSIRO on Prime applications for the next round beginning in September are now open. The on Prime program helps researchers to find markets for their research. If you are a research team at a university or other research-based institution, you can apply online. Applications close 26th of July. As I mentioned, TechFugees have announced a new meetup and we'll be speaking with Anne-Marie Elias later. The City of Sydney's reboot program has wrapped for the year. The sessions have all been recorded and are also available online. bit of fun this week Paul McCartney has worked with Jeff Lynne and AI to engineer and complete a new song by John Lennon. The BBC reports that isolating John's voice from a ropey cassette tape is literally bringing our song back to life. Pretty cool. Perhaps my favourite story of the week is the brilliant facial recognition program Bear ID which is identifying brown bears in the wild built on the innovative Raspberry Pi platform. As well as identifying bare numbers, bear ID helps to monitor population growth or depletion and will help with land and habitat management. Be sure to subscribe to Innovation Bytes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And now I'm joined by Jared Ward. Uh, Jared, could you introduce yourself and let us know who you are and what you do?
1: Okay, uh, my name's Jared. Uh, I'm the managing director and founder for a company called Ahuday. Uh, commercialization support services around intellectual property capture management strategy commercialization education and risk assessment all from an intellectual property perspective um, i'm a registered patent attorney registered to practice in australia and new zealand uh, all of our employees are also either registered attorneys or have significant experience in the ip landscape
0: Fantastic. And from your perspective, what does commercialization mean? Because uh, I know from you know from the, there's different definitions from a startup point of view, from a government point of view, from a commercial or a company point of view. So how do you how do you loosely define
1: commercialization? It it really depends on your perspective. So from a university perspective, it's getting the technology out of the university sector into a hands of a third party or into another commercial entity that could be in the form of a spin up in terms of a license but it's all about moving the technology the discovery outside of the university setting from a company perspective it could be the deployment of a new technology which could be a new service offering it could be a new product it could be something new generally done in-house with a new product that's outward facing and then there's the the last view which is someone comes up independently of everyone else a new product or service offering which they then develop into a new product a new service a new app whatever it might be so it really depends on which perspective you're looking at it from because each of those have different pathways to get the technology to market with different challenges and different roadblocks hurdles etc to get over
0: so what what might a typical roadblock look like for say for example at a at a university level
1: from the university sector they're always wanting to get a their technology licensed out to a third party it could be in the form of a license to a startup or a license to an established company if it's with an established company they have the university has a challenge in terms of first of all finding a company that wants to talk to them because not all companies want to talk to them when they talk to that company, they have to get uh, in front of the right person. And that can be luck, it can be fortuitous, it could be you know, by introduction from a third party. When they speak to that person, they've gotta be interested and engage with the person that's speaking with them. When they speak to that person, they've gotta have the requisite delegations of authority to make decisions for the company in terms of engaging with the university. And lastly, whatever the company is doing, when the university or approaches them and they make a decision, it's got to be at the right point of their investment cycle. They've got to have cash to play with. So it's got to be the right point in terms of the company's operation. Or it's got to be at the right point of the de- depreciation cycle where they're just looking for a new piece of technology or kit to replace something that's almost been depreciated to being zero. Those right, things, so- All of those things aligned that it's tricky to get all I was of going the to say, it and sounds like
0: you need to look to the stars and make sure they're all in a line.
1: And, and a lot of it's luck because sometimes the company will approach the university saying, We've got a problem that needs to be solved. We already have the cash, we already have the right frame of mind. You're speaking to the right person. So a lot of those things are already solved. But that's for when a company comes to university and more of a, you know, they say, We've got a problem, help us develop a solution as opposed right. to the university developing the solution and then going out looking for the problem to solve.
0: And so from a commercialization point of view, is that sounds like you're doing a bit of matchmaking or aligning of the stars yourself in order to bring this together.
1: Yes, a lot of our work that we do with our, for our clients is talking to people. And you know sometimes the conversations we have aren't useful at the time we have those conversations. But two years, three years down the track, we come across a technology or an opportunity where we can then um, make introductions and then assist in terms of what kind of interactions happen after those introductions are made. Is there a licensing opportunity? Is there a way that we can construct a data room to give someone access to our particular aspects of intellectual property? Is there something we can do in terms of a research pathway so that the outcomes then align with the other entities' expectations?
0: sounds rather specialized um does that mean that commercialization skills are hard to come by or people are hard to come by in this industry
1: that's that's an understatement um almost every single university at the moment that we're aware of and a lot of the crown research uh, research uh, the, the research organizations such as csiro and uh Ansto and others they're all looking to recruit people with experience in commercialization and or intellectual property management. With all of the government's um, incentives and promotions around how they wanting more university spinouts, more university commercialized technologies, that's fantastic, but without the group of people who can assist with those things happening, it's very difficult for to get a, any um, collective head of steam or critical mass to move those things forward. There are those people that work in the tech transfer centre and they so sector and they move around between the universities, but mm-hmm. with all of the universities trying to recruit from the same pool of people, it, there's obviously not enough people to go around.
0: So, what what kind of skills or what kind of personality makes a good commercialization manager or director?
1: Um, They've got to be able to talk about their technologies with fervor, with passion. Um, They've got to be able to articulate what can be a very complex solution or a complex technical issue in simple words that is easily to be understood across the entire spectrum of a company. So, for example, right from your your engineer or research scientist all the way up through to your CEO, your board level, each... Mm -hmm iteration along there requires a different skill set in terms of engaging or, or the ability to articulate the problem or the solution that you need to deploy so in short personable technical competence and experience lived experience so not just like one, one job three or four jobs in different sectors so that they can talk to different people in different areas and they have a broad spectrum of life experience because that's what really makes a difference in terms of how you talk about these things
0: you're looking for wonderful unicorns
1: yes i've, I've been trying to recruit one for the uh, the last three years i found one i need to find another one
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if and and i presume you know where to where to fish where to look for these for these folks uh and so i can imagine it's much more difficult if you're not actively involved in this industry all the time to, to build that community, to build that network, and to um, then be able to tap into that network when you need to.
1: There, there are lots of people that want to move into the commercialization space in terms of new graduates, people wanting to move into that space. Unfortunately, the universities are all looking for people with lots of experience. So there's, there's a disconnect between the people wanting to move in just yet trying to get experience. The university wants the more experienced people. So there's a bit of a, a gap in terms of the sector at the moment of, People need experience in that sector, but it's very difficult to get.
0: Organizations are looking to for commercialization expertise. Obviously they can come to you. Um, but what does that look like from your perspective? what does what does an approach to you look like look like?
1: Generally, uh, we get our approaches via referrals from our existing clients. All of our workers come from word of mouth um, at the CEO board level in terms of hey look, we're working with Ahude. we think they'd be really good for you. Um, when you have a chat. Um, that said, though, we also have a, a, a website, ihoveday.com, where you can uh, log an inquiry via our, our webpage. We had some inquiries by, from there, but most of our work comes from Word of mouth.
0: Brilliant. Um, so if, if someone wanted to uh, reach out to you, they'd just go straight to your website. Uh, we Good. can obviously provide con- those contact de- details in the show notes. Um, but when... An organization a university a government department is thinking about commercialization what should they think think of what should they they be aware of
1: that it's not a flash in the pan job it's something that requires quite a number of years to work at and it requires you've got to nurture those relationships because often it's not the first contact where you'll get a response or you know delivery or something it's usually fourth fifth tenth contact and that takes time everyone's busy right. it takes a while to build those relationships and get things going and even once you have something commercialized in that it could be a license going to a third party you've then got to hold that licensee's hand as they go yes. on their journey to make sure they're supported because once you get in the license that is not the end of the journey it's just the start
0: wise words awesome yes. thank you for your time jared that's been amazing thank you And now I'm joined by Anne-Marie Elias from TechFugees. Hi, Annie.
2: Hey, how are you?
0: I'm really well, thank you. And I'm really excited to have you come on board and talk to us a bit about TechFugees. Can you start by letting us know what TechFugees actually is?
2: So TechFugees uh, was started in 2015 by a guy called Mike Butcher uh, in the UK as a response to the refugee crisis in you know around the world. Mm-hmm. And it was regarded as the tech community's response to that crisis. So he galvanised the tech community to come together with refugees and see if we could solve problems. And Annie Parker was uh, you know had known Mike in the UK, and so she picked it up straight away, and within a week or so of him announcing tech refugees in the UK, we set up Tech Fuees Australia. It was Annie Parker, Nicole Williamson and myself. And, you know, and we started off by having hackathons. We partnered with Settlement Services International, which is a not-for-profit that helps with the settlement of refugees. Dor uh has been by our side from day one. So we always start with the story of, you know, refugee challenges and then we get refugees to participate in building those solutions and the best example of that is Narari Dutcho and Anna Robson who established refugee talent which then became migrant talent as well and then became gateway to talent so that was all about connecting refugees you know skilled refugees to jobs so
0: Narari has a great backstory too doesn't he
2: so, yeah, he has a, an incredible backstory. I remember his story at the hackathon was he'd been in Australia three three weeks or three months, and he said, I know that, you know, my future is going to be as a security guard or a cleaner uh, because my qualifications aren't recognised. And, you know, he'd been a lecturer at university in IT in computer science. So he knew or he'd been a, an advisor to Cisco. And so he had an incredible background. So... He then was able to build this business with Anna, who he met at the hackathon. And Anna had worked on uh, worked on refugee camps. So she'd noticed the skill set of, you know, emerging through the camps and wanted to help uh, set that up. So, you know, it's really about that. It's really about connecting refugees to uh, skills, skills recognition and jobs here in Australia.
0: Brilliant. And... You've got a tech TechFugees meetup coming up.
2: Yes. So hackathons, obviously, you know, can't do them all the time. So we occasionally have meetups and events. And in fact, this event uh, is an ACS, Australian Computer Society event, that they were hosting for World Refugee Day. And we came on board with Settlement Services International to support that event. So we organised the... Two key speakers, which is Peter Hewan from Qualgro, uh, whose father was a refugee, doc- uh, was a doctor, and had mm-hmm. come from Vietnam. And his qualifications were not recognised, so he had to resit his medical exams here in Australia. And then we've got Michael from Google, who his story is incredible as well. He was in a refugee camp. He saved money for a year to be able to buy a laptop. He taught himself to code. He then arrived in Australia, went to TAFE and did a computer.
0: And it looks like we might have lost Annie there. We'll try and get her back.
2: And show that, you know, there are many talented refugees that, that you know end up achieving success in Australia, but for the for every Peter and Narari and Michael, there's probably a hundred that don't have access to that uh, support or success. Right.
0: So, um, so Tech VG's is actually bridging some of those gaps, right?
2: Yeah, and look, it's all voluntary run. There's no, uh, you know no funding, there's no, no one gets paid. Everybody just chips in and makes these events happen. And when we got together with Australian Computer Society, we said like, you know, the the focus really has to be on acquiring skills, Mm -hmm. accrediting skills and recognising them and access to employment. So this event is the beginning, I think, of many more meetups and events that are going to be, hey, employers out there, come on board. You know, you think there's a dearth of talent? Well, let let us show you where the talent's residing right now that, yeah, maybe you can help unearth and help get them skilled and help get them accredited and help get them into jobs.
0: So who are you looking to uh, invite along to this um, uh, meetup?
2: Everyone is welcome. I mean, it's a meetup, right? And we always have a lot of fun at these events. If you want to uh, tap into, you know, the network of tech refugees, which is through SSSI, Settlement Services International, it's a lot of individual refugees who who are here. So, DOR is bringing a whole lot of refugees from um, Southwest and Greater Western Sydney uh, to the event. It's at Barangaroo at ACS premises. Um, You know, we want businesses that are interested in employing refugees, Uh, HR managers or talent acquisition managers that want to have a look at what the skill set might be coming out of this event. Uh, People that are interested in connecting with organisations like SSI, which have their own employment programs to, uh, you know, to help refugees get into gainful employment here in Australia. So I think there's a lot of opportunities and obviously ACS, Australian Computer Society, which is, you know, responsible for a lot of the overseas uh, skills recognition uh, and accreditation of people working in the IT industry. So, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity.
0: Great. And so uh, we'll put the uh, link to the meetup in the show notes. And uh, if you're interested in at all, get along and... uh, meet some of the folks behind TechFugees and also uh, people who are part of that community. Thanks, Annie, for your time.
2: Thank you so much.